الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين uh, Firstly I want to obviously thank uh, the brother who led Salah is Dr. Muhammad Abu Talib who is an instructor for Oak Tree Institute mashallah. he teaches a wonderful course which we hope to inshallah ta'ala bring uh, here to Dallas inshallah ta'ala soon but the reason why he's here is for a bigger purpose inshallah ta'ala and uh, because we're, he's here to benefit from someone that's very special in this ummah. I will not praise Sheikh too much, inshallah, but just, you know, it's very important for us to understand that there are speakers and orators and people that are famous on social media and that travel around the world and, and give speeches and lectures, but then there are thinkers and writers and, and authors and, and scholars that, that produce uh, students all around the world and produce ulama all over the world and that inspire and educate this ummah and keep it on track. And alhamdulillah, we're very honored to have uh, Sheikh Akram Nadwi with us, uh, who is, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, a student of, uh, he studied with many mashayikh, actually he's writing a book uh, called Majmu' al-Mashayikh, from, from Majmu' al-Shayikh, is that correct? Okay, Mu'ajah, okay. So Zaid gave me the wrong uh, answer. <laughs> About over 600 teachers that he actually studied with, amongst them Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, uh, the late Abu al-Hasan al-Nadwi, rahimahullah ta'ala, actually, and Sheikh graduated from Nadwat al-Ulama long ago. Uh, Sheikh Abdul Fatah Abu Ghudda, he is a, uh, he's been teaching at Oxford in the UK for over 20 years now, alhamdulillah, and uh, has written many books in Arabic, uh, and uh, particularly he's written one of the most famous com uh, com compilations, which is uh, Al-Muhadithat, the women scholars of hadith, and you have thousands of women scholars of hadith, alhamdulillah, so uh, Sheikh has done a lot for this ummah, alhamdulillah, and we're blessed to have him. He's here teaching a very small group of, of, uh, of people, alhamdulillah, uh, but uh, we were able to whisk him away to come to Valley Ranch tonight, inshallah, and share a few words for us. So afterwards, you know, please don't bombard him too much, inshallah, so I've asked him just to share a few words, but if you want to come to him, you can speak to him in Urdu and Arabic, and if there's something, another language that maybe Sheikh understands and speaks that I don't know, then you can let us know. But Zakallah khair, tafadun ya doktor. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasooli Muhammad. وعلى آله وأصحابه اجمعين ما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أم كنتم شهداء إذا حضر يعقوب الموت إذ قال لبنيه ما تعبدون من بعدي قالوا نعبد إلهك وإله آبائك إبراهيم وإسماعيل وإسحاق إله واحدا ونحن له مسلمون ثم يجي البردس الحمد لله I'm very pleased to be here uh, this evening in this masjid just to share some words with you and I have known for a while uh, Shaykh uh, Omar Suleiman mashallah from, from the Imam of this masjid uh, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give barakah in his life and people benefit from him inshallah so you know he just asked me to, to say a few words so inshallah <coughs> I say I will say a few, few words inshallah one thing to read we have to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he helped us uh, and made us to do the prayer, Asha, uh, prayer of Aisha. And we really don't, uh, don't know that how much reward is there in the prayer. So when we have done Aisha prayer, how much we came nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the hadith of the Prophet when somebody says subhanallah, one subhanallah, then the, all the space between the earth and between the heaven becomes full. 
to subhanallah fills all the space between the earth and the heaven and when you pray it actually has a much much more reward than subhanallah so when we have done the prayer how much we came near to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there nothing in this world has any value equal to the value of the prayer since morning until evening whatever we do whatever action we do the more the most precious thing is the prayer so alhamdulillah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped us to do this prayer we should thank him and quran said لَن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so then He increases His favor upon, upon you. So we should always should thank full grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our Creator, our Master, our Lord. Uh, here I have read a verse from the Quran. In this verse, Quran mentioned the story of one important uh, messenger and prophet, Yaqub alayhi salam. He is from a chosen family, from a family which uh, has you know, so many prophets and messengers. He is himself a messenger. His father is Haq Ali Islam is the messenger. His uncle Ismail Ali Islam is the messenger. And his grandfather Ibrahim Ali Islam is the messenger and father of all the messengers. He's even Imam of all mankind. Quran said, Allah SWT said to Ibrahim Ali Islam, Inni nasi imama. O Ibrahim, I'm going to make you Imam for all mankind. So Ibrahim Ali Islam is the Imam for all the mankind. Allah SWT has chosen him and his family to lead all the mankind. And not only that, Allah SWT also chose the land where Ibrahim walked as to become the center of the all mankind. Iraq, Bilad al-Sham, Bilad al-Misr, and Hijaz, you know, where Ibrahim Islam is became chosen land of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibrahim's land is chosen land, and Ibrahim's people are chosen people. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning the story of this family, chosen family. Once the Prophet asked people, do you know who, are, who is a noble, son of noble, son of noble, son of noble? So people say, we don't know Allah and his messenger know the best. So he said, noble, son of noble, son of noble, son of noble is Yusuf ibn Ya'qub ibn Ishaq ibn Ibrahim. Noble family, chosen family of, of the world. There is hardly you can find any family like that. Quran is mentioning a small story, a very important story of this family. And Quran never mentioned the death of the people you know, unnecessarily. Quran did not mention the death of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu or Musa alayhi or many other prophets. But for Yaqub al-Islam, Quran mentions how he died. Why? Because when he died, he left behind a will. He made a will for all his sons and children to follow. And that will is so important and so beloved to Allah Taala that he wants to mention teachers. Teach so we remember the will of Yaqub al-Islam and we always make sure that that will remains in our house for all the time. So the story is Yaqub al-Islam is dying, the messenger. And, la, and it is his last moment and he wants to leave a will behind and you know when actually anybody dies from the family to even the children who are not very pious they come and listen to their father last word on whatever he said they want to do it so now everybody from the family are all his 12 sons their wives and grandsons everybody is there and they want to listen the last word of Yaqub al Islam and Yaqub al Islam in the Quran said Am kuntum shuhada'a where you present when the death came to Yaqub al Islam, you know, we were not there, but the Quran wants to attract, draw the attention to, to this important story. So everybody can listen to what what happening. So all the family is there, and what Yaqub al Islam said to his, his sons, Ma ta'abuduna min ba'di. It qala libanihe, Ma ta'abuduna min ba'di. When Yaqub al Islam said to his sons, What are you going to worship after my death? Yaqub al Islam has raised his children to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He receives revelation. That is the house of revelation. You know, he always has been looking after them. He knows that they worship Allah. But he wants to ask them, 
that after my death, what is going to happen in my house? You see, he has no worry that after my death, what they are going to eat, how they are going to live, what will be their future in the world. He has no concern for that. He is only concerned after my death, what are they going to worship? Yeah, think of a chosen person, you know, messenger, prophet of Allah but only worry he has got is that after my death, what will happen in my family? So he asked his son, what are you going to worship after my death? قَالُوا نَعْبُدُ إِلَاهَكَ وَإِلَاهَ آبَائِكَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ إِلَاهُ وَاحِدَةَ All of them said that, O oh, our father, we worship certainly your Elah and Elah of your father, Ibrahim and Ismail and Ishaq, one Elah, وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ And we are in full submission to him. Why Quran mentioned the story? Just tell us in, that think that this man is a messenger, son of a messenger, grandson of a messenger, and when he dies, he leaves behind a messenger. Yusuf al Islam, he is also a messenger. So why he is so much, so much worried? When he dies, there will be a messenger in the house, a messenger will take care. But still, he has so much worry, so much concern. Now, think really that I am not a messenger. My father was not a messenger. And my grandfather was no, not a messenger. And I am not going to leave behind in my family any messenger. Do I have the same worry? Do I have concern that what will happen in my family? When I die, what will happen? All of us, we are so much concerned about the future of our children. We think when we die, what will happen? How are they going to live? You know, will they have any house? Will they have actually enough money to survive, to live? Are they going to have a job? So much concern, we spend so much time to, for their education. So they spend 20 years, 30 years to study. Why? So that they can have a good future in this world. But Allah, the messengers, the only future they know is what? The future after death. Yaqub al-Islam has no concern in this world except that his family worships Allah and when they die, they die as Muslims. So in the hereafter, they can be nearer to their Lord. So that what he asks, that actually is a reminder for all of us. Think properly that in my family, in my house, who is being worshipped? When I enter to my house, who I obey? Who I listen? Whose commands are in my house? You know, who, are, who is our Lord in the house? Do we obey our Lord? Do we worship Him? Do we listen him? And the thing really, when I will, have I raised my children away, that when I die, then they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have, you know, we have spent all the money to make our children, you know, in a way that in the future they can have earned money and they can, you know, they can be, you know, prosperous and rich and all those things. But ever we think really that when we die, our children worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Isn't our duty? If Yaqub has this concern, Yaqub al Islam, Ibrahim has this concern, Quran said, Ibrahim and Yaqub both left this will behind to their children. Oh my sons, Allah SWT has chosen for you Islam. Don't die, but when you are Muslims. Full submission to Allah SWT. That must be the concern of every single person. You know, leave this will behind. Write down on the walls of the, of the houses. And this wasiyah, ma ta'abuduna min ba'di. Oh my sons, what are you going to worship after my death? Because you know, this will be a reminder that when, when you die, they remember that my father was so much cancer, so much worried that in this house nobody should be worshipped other than Allah So Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us so much favor. Now in this country, you know, we are eating and drinking and there are millions of people in the, in the world that don't have enough to eat and drink. We have nice clothes and there are many, many millions of people who don't have such nice, clo nice clothes to, to wear. We have nice and big houses and there are millions and millions of people in the world that don't have these houses. 
you know, if you can see really the poor country, even I can come from India, you can see many parts of India, people don't have, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, proper place to, to, to live. Actually, in a small, sometimes in a very small house, the whole family lives. And Allah SWT has given us actually so much. So, you know, he's not given us because, you know, we are better than other people. It is test from Allah SWT. The people who are, who are in poverty, they are being tested. And the people who have got the favor from their Lord, they are being tested. And Allah SWT wants to see really that, you know, how much we thank him and how much we are grateful. If you don't thank him, you know, whatever he has given, he easily can take. There are many nations, they were very, very rich, and then Allah SWT deprived them. So let's thank Allah SWT and make sure that we worship him alone. Worship should become the best, the most important priority of our life. Meaning is we can, we can afford to delay anything, but not the prayer. When the time of the Fajr comes, we should be the first people to be in the masjid, to do the prayer. When the time of the Dhuhr comes, the prayer, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, and make effort to, you know, to come to this mosque and, uh, to the mosque and pray in the Jama'ah. That's what Allah SWT loves. And don't leave the Jama'ah and, and congregation except if they are very big excuse. Because the people who before us, they never li liked to, delay the to leave the Jama'ah. Imam Suleiman ibn Mihran al-Amash, the great teacher of Abu Hanifa and many, many people. One of his students, Wakim Jarrah, said that Amash never missed the Jama'ah in his masjid for 70 years. Not one or two years, 70 years he never missed Jama'ah in the masjid. And he used to teach the Quran, he was a great Qari, and he used to teach Hadith, and he also was Faqih and Muhaddith. So, you know, Sayyid Musayyib, great Imam Ahmadi Munawwara, people say for 40 years, he did not miss even first takbir in the mosque of the Prophet Sulaiman al-Taymi and his sons, all the night in Basra, they, after Isha prayer, they used to move from one masjid to other masjid and doing nafl prayer and tahajjud prayer in every masjid. So in the day of judgment, in the day of qiyamah, those masjids can witness, witness that they have been praying everywhere. They were people like us. They used to have family. They used to have children. They also used to have jobs and, you know, everything. But still, they used to so much in the prayer. And we people make excuse that we don't have time. But we have time for anything else. We have so much time for, you know, TV, for internet, for mobile phones. We are wasting so much time. Those people used to spend those time in the prayer. And who can be better than the Prophet The Prophet Quran said, two-thirds of the night in the prayer. Sometimes, sometimes half of the night. Sometimes one-third of the night. And he's busy because you know, he's received revelation, he has Quran teaching the people, battle of Badr, battle of Uhud, Hudaybiyah, conquest of Makkah, so many things. And then on the top of that, nine wives sometime together, nine wives, all those things, and then two-thirds of the night in the prayer. And same of Siddiq, Umar Farooq, Uthman Ali, you know, Ibadah and the companions when they came to conquer Iraq and Biladu Sham and Misr, they were not sleeping. They are conquered during the daytime and they are on the back of the horses. In the night time, in the prayer. No sleep, not rest, little, little sleep. But the people of hard work, that's why Islam came. Islam did not spread because of lazy people like us. No, Islam is spread by the people who are so active. During the daytime, on the back of the horses. In the night time, they are in the, in the, in the mosque or in, 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 the, in the field. But in the prayer, crying and their, their beards are wet with their tears coming from, from their eyes. These are the chosen people of Allah Taala, And Allah loves people, people like that. So, you know, Alhamdulillah, Allah SWT has given us so much here. You know, remember this. All the time, keep reminding yourself and your family. Ma ta'abuduna min ba'di. What will happen in our family? Who is going to worship? So, I stop it here, inshallah. And uh, is there any question or anything? Or just stop it, inshallah.
Okay. Yeah, okay. If there is a question or few questions, inshallah, if anybody wants to ask anything. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, ibadah means uh, that you know, uh, you know, proper humility, uh, you know, to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, to be humble. Ibadah is the most important. Ibadah is the prayer, the salah. There's nothing equal to salah. That is the first command to every messenger and every prophet in the Quran, Musa Alislam and everybody, and that that is the most important thing in the Quran. So, no doubt, when we say ibadah, that what is meant actually the salah. But anything that believers do. If they do prayer properly, so even anything that they do around the prayer, it becomes ibadah. So for example, for the prayer, you also need to eat and drink. If you eat and drink because you want to have energy to, you know, to pray, your eating and drinking becomes ibadah. And for eating and drinking, you need to earn money. If you earn money, that also can become ibadah. But if there is no prayer, nothing is ibadah. Prayer is the only thing which is ibadah and anything connected to the prayer, it also becomes ibadah. So if people have family and earn money to feed them, so they can do ibadah prayer, then feeding and looking after the family also becomes ibadah. But if people don't pray, then nothing is ibadah. The prayer is the only thing that is so important, it itself is ibadah, and everything connected to the prayer, it also becomes ibadah. I think it depends actually how what people want. If somebody wants to become a alim properly, like that, something like proper knowledge. If you want to become like a alim, then certainly you know people should spend a lot of time in learning Arabic language, you know properly, you know the Arabic grammar, proper language, language of the time of the Prophet sallallahu and the Quran, Arabic poetry and the speeches of the Arab people to understanding, and then after that you know the Quran and in the Hadith and Tafsir and find the teachers who can teach these things. So, you know, if people want to learn, if somebody doesn't have enough time to do these things, to at least, uh, you know, learn so much Arabic language that, you know, when you read the Quran, so you can see, really, you can understand something, you know, with the help of other books, but, you know, it can inspire you and you can move, it can move your heart and, and you understand your religion properly. So, something like that, whatever can help you. But if you, you are a young man, if you want to learn properly, the best thing is, you spend your time in Arabic language because without the language, if you only rely on the translation, your knowledge always will be depending on other people. If they do mistake, you do mistake. But once you know the language properly, then your learning will be more reliable. Then you can see really what Quran and what Sunnah says. Is it a question or? Well, just uh, in terms of the approach when you're approaching the teachers, yeah. you know, how what's the proper adab or etiquette? Oh, how? How do you actually seek a teacher, and how do you decide when to move on to a different? You know, you can ask your teacher, learn from your teacher. Once you have learned from him properly, then you can ask him that, you know, now I want to learn further. You know, advise me, and then they advise you go to so and so to ask the teacher. So, in the first thing, actually, the best manner is that you learn from the teacher properly. Ask question, discuss with him, and, you know, no doubt really that, you know, the people who teach, teach you, they have so much fear upon you to respect them properly. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, you know, respect does not mean that, you know, you don't, don't, don't ask them, don't argue them, don't, don't discuss with them. So, make effort to learn from the people properly with discussion and understanding properly. Yeah. What are the basic valid excuses to 
praying at home, not at in a mosque in Jamaat, mm. or what are the excuses not at all accepted, like well it accepted to praying at home instead of Jamaat. Yeah, and it's a very important question. The prayer actually, no doubt, the prayer should be done in the mosque in the Jamaat. And according to most ulama, the prayer in the Jamaat congregation is wajib, obligatory. People must do in the Jamaat properly. Uh, but if somebody is found out traveling, to traveler people, you know, they don't, they are disoriented. So they don't know the place properly. They have problems. They sometimes, you know, they are, it's not easy for them. So they have excuse. If they don't want to pray in Jamaat, they have excuse. People who are not feeling well, they are, they are ill, and it is difficult for them to attend the prayer in the mosque. So they have excuse. Though actually, people who were before us, they did not like the excuses. You know, in India, there was Mawlana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi, Rahmullah Ta'ala, one of the very pious person, one of the founders of the Madrasa of Dewan. He became old, more than 80 years old, and blind. He lost his Still, he used to go to the Masjid in Jama'ah, relying on the two students. So people said to him that, you know, in the books of the faculty written, that people, you know, when they're ill, they're you know, not feeling them, have excuse. But you are blind, old person, you, you have excuse. He said, I have got the people who can help me to go to the masjid. I don't find any excuse for myself. So, you know, think really. That, you know, imagine really when you come to the masjid, you meeting your Lord. Do you want to have excuse not to meet him? I think when you come to meeting him, you are in his presence, in his court. As soon as you enter the house of Allah, you become his responsibility, protection of the Allah. You know, is there any place better than that? Working for, you know, all, all day, then, you know, find time to come to in the arm of Allah with him. So people, uh, anyway, no doubt really, when people are not feeling well, they have excuse. Oh, for example, the house is very, very far away from the masjid. So not necessarily people can come to the mosque, but still people should make effort to do jama'ah with your family people and the neighbors. Make effort to do the prayer properly, because when you do in jama'ah, then the reward of the prayer becomes a hadith 27 times more and according to other hadiths, 25 times more. So think really that, you know, same effort and you get reward 25 times more. And in the day of judgment, you will see that 25 times the big thing. It is not a small number. One prayer becomes 25 times more. In this world, we don't see, but in the heart, we will see. So, you know, make effort really to do jama'ah, to do prayer in the jama'ah and in the masjid with other believers. Yeah, if there are other colleagues in, uh, at workplace, Muslims, so then, you know, make effort during lunch time, you know, do Zohar to, together. If, if nobody is there, certainly you have got excused, you pray alone, and inshallah Allah will make in future a way that you find other people. But if there are anybody, make effort to, you know, to do together. People see, people find friends to have lunch together. If in, in workplace, people don't want to be lonely. People want to be in the company of some people. So for the lunch, you find friends. For having a cup of tea, you find friends. For every single thing, we find company. Why not for the prayer? Prayer is the more important. So tea you can have without companion. You can have a dinner, a lunch without anybody. But the prayer with other person is because of 25 times more. So you know, make effort inshallah. But if you are certain, if you are alone, you can't do jama'ah. So you know, then you have excuse and Allah will help you inshallah if you have good intention. Hmm? How important is to learn Arabic, to, to understand Quran, Quran, because in that part of the world, 80 90% Muslims don't understand Quran in Arabic. And is there can be a scholar without learning Arabic, without understanding Quran in Arabic? You know, I think really Arabic is very important for Muslims. 
and the reason we, we are not learning is because we don't understand. You know, think your Lord has sent a message to you. Don't you feel, you know, don't feel that, you know, I should really learn what, what he's saying? You know, somebody translate for me. Don't you want to actually understand his words? Because Quran is his words, not only meanings. So people should be keen to see that how my, my Lord says this thing in his own words, what these words mean. You know, when people translate, they translate their own words. Allah's words, they are different. Nobody can translate those words. People should be keen. You know, if my mother writes a letter to me, I will be so keen to read the letter. If your beloved friend writes a letter to any message comes from anywhere, people want to learn what it says. And Allah SWT has sent such a nice message. There are nothing, the Quran is not only message. The Quran actually has so many other things. People, Muslims should be keen. You know, for a small thing, there are people in this world, they are learning Chinese language. Why? For the sake of money. Arabic is much easier than Chinese language. So, you know, think properly, why we cannot, and Arab, there are many, many reasons for us to learn Arabic language, because that is the religion of Allah, our religion, and the language of our beloved Prophet, and there are all the Islamic sources there in Arabic language. And it is not difficult. If people spend time, you know, they can do. And certainly, people cannot be scholars of Islam without knowing Arabic language. You know, if you derive on something, you know, think really, live in the Quran and Islam. If you want to become a scholar of Akbar's poetry, can you become a scholar without knowing Urdu language? Think properly. Is it possible somebody becomes somebody can give lecture on Akbar without knowing Urdu language? Can you teach Shakespeare without knowing English language? Can, think you know in this world. Can you teach Hafiz and Shirazi and Rumi without knowing Persian? No. So why? How can somebody become a scholar of Islam without knowing the language of the Quran Sunnah? Islam is Quran and Sunnah, and Quran and Sunnah are in Arabic language. So it is impossible that you know people can learn in other languages, but they can't be alim. To know, to become alim, people need to learn this language. Because otherwise, if you say uh, this, what Islam says, anybody can tell you, no, you didn't understand properly. Uh, you know, the source says something else. You can't do anything. For people must know the language properly. Without the language, you cannot teach anything in this world, any language. People cannot teach Urdu poetry without knowing Urdu. People can't teach Persian poetry without knowing Persian. People cannot teach the Quran or the Sunnah without knowing the language, uh, Arabic language. Stop,